Welcome back to In The Loop, a WordPress podcast by Blackbird Digital. This is our second episode and simultaneously the podcast's one-year anniversary. A lot can change in a year, especially one as long as 2020, including, well, us. You may remember me if you listened to the first episode. I'm Corey Hugert, lead developer here at Blackbird, and you may also remember Megan Rose, who was our first guest on the show. She's an organizer for WordCamp and local WordPress meetup here in Northeast Ohio and also volunteers her time in many other ways for the WordPress community. We somehow convinced her to join our team and also take over all of the actual work involved in running a podcast and doing real interviews. I'm Megan, and I work here now. (laughs) Also joining the team is Phil Hoyt, who has spoken at several WordCamps and also hosted some meetups in the past. I'm Phil. I also work here now. (laughs) On today's episode, we reminisce about our early days, have our first official segment about Gutenberg, Discuss the 5.6 release, the new White House website, and other WordPress Twitter drama, Git repositories, music to code to, and finally we get a preview of Megan's interview with Michelle Frechette of GiveWP about the recent WordFest and other endeavors while the pandemic still rages on. That interview will be released shortly as a separate episode after this one, so stay tuned. If you have questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web-related, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as in the loop underscore WP. Enjoy the show. Did anybody have a Ventrilo server back in the day? Of course. TeamSpeak, <laughs> Ventrilo. I've uh-huh. used a little bit of everything. It's actually insane that we've settled on one. Like right. I never thought I'd see the day because I was using Steam Chat for so long and uh, the old vent jokes that would always, like someone would hop in with a soundboard and mm-hmm. I'm here to chew bubblegum and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only really used it because I had a Minecraft server. So I put a Ventrilo server on the same Linux box. That's when I got started uh, kind of tinkering around with Linux and sysadmin stuff run a minecraft server you know <laughs> thank half of my career for that so <laughs> i think i can thank at least a quarter of my career to myspace templates so i think minecraft <laughs> isn't too bad either so yeah for me it was myspace and neopets mm-hmm. nice I, I was doing GeoCities and stuff well before like my uh, myspace but then myspace was like what made like oh people want to buy these like wow, like I can make a piece of code and someone will pay me money for that chunk of code. Like, and now we do that for a living. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had no idea you could just do that. <laughs> I remember making animated GIFs too before it Heck became yeah. really easy to make them. <laughs> oh, yeah. What did you use? I used I used something web-based. I don't remember what mm. it was, but yeah, it was like you you make each individual frame and then you can like upload them on this like web-based uh, thing and it was like generating them. And now you can just like open a video in oh, Photoshop. Well, right. yeah. <laughs> and there it is. I would want like hovers for buttons. So like when I was learning HTML and CSS when I was like a kid, I would make a little like I wanted a capsule that like when you hovered over it it would like slide out which uh-huh. nowadays is trivial yeah. but like back then I literally made a gif that would like like on hover switch <laughs> out switch out the background image with the gif image and then the gif would play and then <laughs> uh yeah I used to make uh 
Dragon Ball Z gifts using uh, sprites that were ripped from various games and like using the sprite sheets to like make them fight each other. These gifts were like enormous. They, c- they couldn't even fit on the floppy disk I was trying to save them on. <laughs> <laughs> Learning compression would come much later in my career. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was just reminiscing like during our lunch period, we would hang out in like, uh, we had like a Cisco class for so, like for networking. And we would hang out in that room while we ate lunch, but we'd have little like contests like to see who could build like a good looking website with just MS Paint and Notepad. And like so you'd have to use you can't Google anything, can't do it like and you just have to go. So you had the whole period and yeah, you just make a bad website, but it was still something just to do. How do you make a website in MS Paint? Well, you'd use that for your assets. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. Notepad okay. for your code. I thought you were yeah, making yeah. it entirely in it. No, well, well, you could you could do certain kind of tricks because you could like open up like the paint picker, which happened to have a really cool gradient in it, but you can't make gradients in Photoshop. But what you could do is take a screenshot of that gradient, <laughs> bring that back into paint, and then like crop it, and then oh. that, now you have a gradient. And then yeah, like you would you we would all learn these little tricks, and then by the end of the year, we were all making pretty good websites within forty five minutes, like a homepage. Would be quote unquote for a 2008 version of done <laughs> in 40 minutes and yeah good times i feel like i probably should have taken a class like that at some point in my life i don't know if i learned networking all that well but i did learn that i like computers more than i thought i did which i already knew i liked a lot so <laughs> And now, I'd like to present the first in a three-part segment I'm calling The Gutenberg Shuffle, which takes a look back at our agency's journey with Gutenberg, aka the Block Editor experience. Part 1. The Block Editor Awakens, in which Blackbird fends off the invader for a while, but ultimately succumbs. On December 8th, 2018, WordPress version 5.0 was unleashed on the world, with one of the largest changes to the WordPress experience yet the Gutenberg block editor. It was, in one word, controversial. For a bit of context, the Gutenberg plugin, which is basically the bleeding edge version that can be installed separately and is updated more often than the core editor, has over 3,000 reviews, 2,000 of which are one-star reviews. It's currently sitting at an average of two of five stars. Now, This will not be a long, ranty complaint segment about Gutenberg. In fact, I quite like it, and I think for the most part, the rest of us here at Blackbird agree. I would probably give Gutenberg in its current state four stars. In the pre-Gutenberg days of 2018, our agency was utilizing the excellent Advanced Custom Fields Pro plugin to handle, well, custom fields. And, spoiler alert, we're still using it. Call us, Elliot. We had just recently transitioned from building fairly rigid templates based on a full-page design with custom field outputs to an approach using the flexible content field. If you haven't used it before, it's basically like an advanced repeater field with the ability to predefine different sets of subfields per repeater item. So we could define separate groups of fields as layouts, each layout outputting its own template part. And thus, we had a bespoke and I'll admit pretty clunky, page builder that would have like six to ten different page section layouts with some arbitrary customization 
if we thought to include some extra fields. This also meant that the core content editor was often left unused or even hidden from the user, which caused a chain reaction of issues like um, some SEO plugins not properly analyzing the content, not to mention that a theme swap was just out of the question entirely. Then Gutenberg dropped. The boat was sufficiently rocked, and due to customizations and incompatibilities, we scrambled to install the classic editor plugin on all of the recent sites we'd built, like many of you may have done. And I'll admit, it felt wrong to be locking away a new, potentially more user-friendly and powerful editing experience from our customers. But what were we supposed to do? Call them up and ask them to pay us to essentially remake the site we had just built for them a few months before? Do it for free? Not going to fly. But looking back, this brought to light a hole in our business model for ongoing site maintenance. This is something of a can of worms that we'll be saving for a later episode, I think. So yeah, our first instinct was to preserve the page editing experience we had already built, which in many ways was more convenient for us as developers than it was for users. However, at the time, and maybe still, we had some real concerns about throwing our clients into a blank canvas and expecting them to build these heavily designed layouts themselves. Then again, what we were building before was just a bunch of input fields coupled tightly to a page or or page section design, which, by the way, you really couldn't see until you previewed or published it. And so began our journey to integrate the new block editor experience into the custom sites we were building for our clients. Well, kind of. Tune in next time for part two, The Last Custom Field, in which Blackbird attempts to assimilate in every way, but the right way. with the woes that was the Gutenberg plugin while being an agency, which is just such a complicated um, position to be in. Yeah, you, you nailed it right in the head with like, yeah, what do you do? You just built a website. I even feel that now. I feel like we're in this transitional period. Where yeah, we still got plenty of legacy sites that are we, that I mean, still even, use the classic editor. Yeah, and even new sites. Like, I feel like we're even on this like cusp of like the full site editor in the next set, like before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I'm thinking about how that will interact with what we're doing. And I'm like clearly still building websites in the older ish way. And it's like, well, I know something better is coming, but I have to get this work done now. And Mm -hmm. it's very, very frustrating sometimes. So I wanted to get both of your, um, your views. Cause this is from, from the, from the Blackbirds, you know, 2018 perspective here. And, you know, another spoiler alert, like I was the only one here at Blackbird, um, yeah, sitting, sitting, sitting here in this, in this podcast, um, while we were going through that particular phase. Um, so Phil, I know that you worked at, uh, an agency and also at, um, I don't know, what would you call the other, like a, a product focused a peer to peer, uh, e-commerce platform. There you go. <laughs> and then Megan, you worked for a travel agency with, with a whole bunch of sites so uh i wanted to get your guys's like you know thoughts about how you were dealing with gutenberg at the time in those contexts sure um yeah so i mean when 
Gutenberg originally was announced and started coming out. It was kind of like the beginning of the end for my career in WordPress at the time, actually. So, like, I was transitioning from being a WordPress developer. I always considered myself a WordPress developer, not even like a web developer or a programmer. I was always like, I build WordPress websites. That's what I like to do. It's how I've made my careers thus far. But um, an opportunity came where they needed somebody with some PHP background and some WordPress expertise. Um, but I quickly saw better opportunities with inside that company um, outside of the WordPress realm. And like I kind of thought I was hopping off of the train at the right time because Gutenberg was coming out and I was very much not impressed with it when it originally came out because um, you were one of my, those one star reviews. I did not leave a one star review. I would never <laughs> do that. That's not my. That's not how I. That's not my mode at all. But mm-hmm. um, I I think in my brain, um, as, having worked in an agency previous to that for about eight years, um, I wanted a first class, um, you know, input fields uh, API. I wanted to be able to, you know, I wanted ACF in core. wordpress i yeah. i don't you know not specifically but like but having seen the customizer come out and like it kind of be lackluster and then seeing other aspects of wordpress to like try different things and then also be lackluster and then the first of original versions of gutenberg being very lackluster in my opinion um i was like okay i'm i'm out i'm i get to like leave this you know burning house like this is great <laughs> like um you know, I, I had been in this community for years and like I was going through a lot of personal stuff, so, but I was able to like kind of just walk away from this. But then I kind of got away for about two years. I missed WordPress a lot during those two years. Um, I wasn't able to build websites as fast as I wanted to. And I wasn't like you getting, I was still seeing all these cool new things coming out. Um, so I would use internal projects as little pet projects for WordPress. And then um, luckily when, uh, you know, last year hit, I was able to transition back into a full-time WordPress gig and then kind of see where Gutenberg uh, at an agency level had um, evolved. And um, I would even say within the six months of me starting to use it around July to, you know, the end of last year, uh, it's gotten dramatically better just in those several months, Mm -hmm. let alone from when I used it for the first time a few years back to now um because i was like i will i'll admit i was very hyped on it when it was originally released like that you were seeing like gifs of like you know drag and drop editors inside wordpress but um i think as a developer i just was not able to figure out how to translate designs from a des- like an agency designer to something that could become a block i think that's still an issue we're still kind of like battling um maybe not internally but when we have external design teams um uh, you know, they might not have thought about how to build something with blocks in mind. So, um, yeah, we're still we're, we're still, we're still getting, battling a lot yeah, of those issues. When we work with um, other design agencies, we're still getting things that are very page template focused, um, and we've we've almost entirely moved away from. I mean, there's still there's still use for the, that kind of approach. But for the most part, we're trying to break those apart and say, okay, we're going to take these sections or whatever modules, components, whatever you want to call them, and uh, make them into blocks so that you can rearrange them or your or your, your client can rearrange them, etc. Megan, um, what was your experience like with, with the Gutenberg transition? Was it easy? Difficult? So I would say... Like parts of it were very easy. So I was a, a travel agency, a host travel agency. So 
all of our agents were independent contractors. So they all like run their own business, but we provide a site for them through a multi-site. And I will tell you, we don't, we're, we don't have Gutenberg going on, on, on that multi-site, like mm-hmm. still to this mm-hmm. day. Um, but it's because, uh, there has to be a lot more like restrictions. And the other thing is like managing a multi-site in itself is like a lot of work and uh, for, enormous for, work too, right? Yeah, it's it had eight thousand at one point, and like for a company that's not primarily focused on web design or on web development or things like that, and we weren't selling them either, like we're giving them for free. It there's just not a lot of resources that you can like squeeze out in that like direction. So um, it uh, we we did some like updates to it, but not. Um, not getting it like Gutenbergized, but I will say looking at some of the ACF stuff that you can do with like the locking the templates is um, mm-hmm. looking really cool and um, being able to like require blocks because essentially we want each of the sites to look a particular way and it would, you know, we need certain ads to display. And that was like kind of a hanging up point where like some of it has to be templatized because you have to have the ad in a certain spot, certain size. So now I can I can see the path, and hopefully they move in that direction. Um, but in terms of like the other sites we worked on, I would say I had an easier time than other um, like other business models because it's just like our product, it's our sites, like it's our LMS, so we can upgrade it when we have time to we can take as long as we need to we can do it in chunks like there's just way more flexibility when you're only working on like your own product so um it took us a a long time to get there though because we did have a user base that was pretty resistant to change and um you know it's like a little bit of like less tech savvy crowd and a little bit of an older crowd Hmm. uh we try to like roll out changes really really gradually so um, and Gutenberg's a big immediate change. There's no way to <laughs> roll that out gradually. Is there? Yeah, and it's it's just like you know, there's going to be visual visual changes on the front end. Like they're not necessarily like people that are in the admin of the site, but hmm. as you're replacing things here and there, especially with not having resources to like really make it seamless, things are going to look different or are not going to work and. Um, and yeah, same with same with coworkers that are like popping into the site. Like we had to make sure everyone was going to be comfortable editing in it. Uh, and it just it requires so much buy in because you have to like, you know, I think we had there was one point we had like 40 admins or something. We definitely had like 10 to 15 people editing on sites at a time. So it's a lot of hands in there. So you have to make sure like everyone's comfortable with it. And yeah, like wide, wide age range and wide experience range. You have people that are doing, you know, they're just inputting content for courses and LMS and um, people that are editing users and like just a wide variety of admin people at the company. So um, it was just a lot of like training sessions and waiting on training to be available too. like waiting. um, And actually I, contributed on the the user Gutenberg documentation at um, at WordCamp US contributor day that I went to because I knew it was something that would like help my users in the end because I was like, well, if 
I have my hands in it. I'm going to know what's available documentation wise. I'm going to be able to make sure it's accurate. <laughs> and I'm going to be able to just take the link to my documentation I wrote and just like mm. give it to our end users. So I think that was like a good way for me to get familiar with the user side and like pass that information along. Yeah, the contributing was, that was my, I mean, I would say that's my first time contributing, but I guess like because of the community stuff, it's not. It just feels like it because that was my first like contributor day that I went to. So yeah, it was fun. I think that the, one of the core things that I learned over the past, even over the past year since we did um, our first episode about a year ago, um, because there were a lot of questions that we asked with no answers uh, during that. And Megan, you were there for that, (laughs) Um, which was, you know, how it's, it's that, it's that blank canvas page builder kind of thing that like your client might not, might not be ready for that kind of experience of, of editing. Um, but also like maybe we're not giving our clients enough credit. Maybe we're just potentially stuck in our old ways of like, here's the design. It's, it is what it is. You can change this bit of text here and this bit of text here in this image. Like there's a middle ground, but also there's a spectrum as well. And um, I think it just depends on, who you're building the site for and what they want. Like that's, that's the question you got to be asking is like, how do they expect to be changing or editing their content? But even still, even if they want something that's more static, there are ways to accomplish that in Gutenberg now. So they can still see what the page looks like while they're editing it. So I think we have a lot more options than we did even a year ago um, when we were posing that question, but not really, not really knowing how we were tackling it yet. The biggest selling point uh, when I was trying to get like other team members on board was the fact that you can just copy and paste from like Microsoft Word and it it, like retains the formatting because that was like such a big pain point before. And um, I think you can even do the same with like Excel maybe, but uh, probably not like when it first launched. But yeah, being... That was um that was the easiest way to like for me to sell people. So it's a matter of like finding out what people's pain point is with editing and like seeing oh does Gutenberg solve that? Because if it does, then like present that to them and and then you'll be able to upgrade. If you're interested in helping out with the WordPress open source project or with the community in any way, head over to make.wordpress.org. A brand new resource for housing workshops and lesson plans launched on December 15th, and there are four different ways you can get involved with that project. You can visit learn.wordpress.org contribute for more information. And if you'd like to get a sneak peek at the full site editing project and help out while doing so, join the test team on WordPress Slack. Their channel is named FSE Outreach Experiment, or you can get in touch with them in Core Test.
So yeah, the tavern posts that got a bunch of um, evil, evil bad men replying uh, about the all female release lead. Well, release oh, leads. I, I didn't realize there was backlash. To that. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm probably like just more acutely it. aware of these things, but it was um, it was bad. They actually um. The tavern, I don't know if they hired moderators, but around that time was when they started realizing, like, oh, shit, we need to moderate. Our That's insane, because I've definitely discussion. seen some flamed out comments on that website over the, like, the 10 years it's yeah. been up. So Yeah, so I actually just saw a tweet yesterday that someone was saying that they think the quality of the tavern has gone, like, way up since they added the mods. Hmm. And yeah, I'd, I'd agree, but they... um. That particular post was, like, the linchpin for a whole bunch of, like, negativity, and people were kind of, like, seeking seeking them out and, you know, being terrible. Mm. And Twitter is like that, too, all the time, but it was, like, especially frustrating. All, all because, just, just because women worked on it. That's it. It was, it was, I think they, like... Not, I don't want to, like, give benefit of doubt to, like, no. terrible <laughs> sexist people, but <laughs> I think I think most of their problem stems in the framing of things. I, I think if, if there just was an all-women release and mm-hmm. was not publicized, like, they wouldn't even <laughs> fucking know and they wouldn't care. Right, right. I think it's, it's the fact that people were highlighting it as, like, a positive. Mm-hmm. And because it that, is. Yeah, and that, like, <laughs> you know frustrates them because they want to do that straw man argument of like well no one would be celebrating if it was all white men <laughs> it's like well yeah because well, yeah. it always is that happens so, like... every single time yeah like <laughs> wow. so yeah it um people blew up and they're all like these stupid anonymous people anyways like hmm. there are these people that don't even have real profile pictures and shit so oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a, I think that was insane because I remember seeing that post. I th- saw it when it came on pretty early, scrolled down and saw the handful of people's faces that I normally see. And everybody's like, this is phenomenal. And I'm like, cool, I can leave. And I, yeah, I'm assuming <laughs> like I should have stayed around and maybe refreshed a few times. But like, yeesh, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, I actually I just I looked at my pin tweets for the first time. Yes, uh, a couple days ago. Uh, bookmarked, bookmarked. There was like one that I had in there. That was like something super sexist in the WordPress community that I was like waiting. I I bookmarked it because I didn't have the energy to like reply to it at the time, and I was like, I'm gonna come back to this and make sure someone took them out, and if if they didn't, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so sad because it was from 2018, and I visited it again, and no one had replied. Oh no! So, oh, yeah. it should have been me because I can't reply now because that'd be really weird. <laughs> You finally took that time in the shower to think of the best, like, comeback. (laughs) I should have said. I should just take it and um, subtweet it with the 5.6 release post and say, this didn't age well. (laughs) That would be perfect. There you go. I will like it. I will like your tweet. (laughs) Of course. Do, Do we want to talk about, do we want to talk about the Twitter WordPress Twitter. I want to talk about short codes. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the short code. The short code hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, unfortunately. 
<laughs> Gutenberg's trying to take over the short code. We can't let it happen. Hmm. First, they take our tiny MCE. Next, <laughs> they take our short codes. <laughs> I come for my short codes. I love having to memorize arbitrary short codes for uh-huh. code. Oh, you want columns? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've got a short code for you. <laughs> Oh god, the nested shortcuts. The nested shortcuts. So painful. What, you, wait, you wanted us to develop a website for you? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to invent a way for you to like, not understand code at all, and you're going to have to... <laughs> or, even better, you start giving people short codes, and then they tell other people they're coders. Oh. <laughs> I have never had that happen. That happen. But, yes. I... I had someone that thought it was HTML, <laughs> and so they were telling people they knew HTML. <laughs> Not good. Uh, this is, Not good. Uh, this kind of reminds Not me good. of back in the day, people making a distinction between like coder and scripter stuff like oh, that. Oh God, such mm-hmm. gatekeeping. Well, I, man, mm-hmm. I kind of want to get into that because I've never considered myself a programmer or anything. So when I actually went to like, I've always been a web developer. I build mm-hmm. websites. For the internet, like I don't program things, I don't make systems. Um, so when I went to go work for this last company that I worked for, everybody was an engineer, and I was just like, "I'm not an engineer. Like, don't call me an engineer. Please stop it. Like, I don't have a degree in it. I have an art degree. I, 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 I make, I make pretty. How things does this keep on, happening at Blackbird <laughs> on the internet? Like, I like to take cool designs and make those things come to life. Don't call me an engineer. But yeah, like I would get in huge like debates about it. Like, not the huge, but like I'd be annoyed because I just like didn't want to be called a programmer because like I'm not. I just don't feel like I am. But maybe that's gatekeeping. But I would never say. Anybody else yeah, you yeah. wouldn't be like, oh, you do CSS. You're not a programmer. Correct no, yourself. Like, like <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. I, I'm going to put a draw a line in the stand. I think if you know how to write CSS, you are a better than most programmer. No I'm joking. So no, but um, I just I'd agree with that. Yeah, I just think when somebody says they're full stack, and then I see that they're using divs for list items, I just like lose yeah. my mind a little bit. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a classic problem of spreading yourself potentially too thin and i think that's pretty easy to do in this line of work honestly because we got at least three but generally at at least four different languages that we got to jump back and forth between handling markup handling styles handling the scripts and then potentially handling server side stuff generally speaking at least for different modes of thinking about various things so when you're full stack, you gotta know all of them. Yeah. Or use In all reality, of them. none of us are engineers. We're linguists. <laughs> I'll take that. I, I took like that I took Spanish. <laughs> Honor Spanish. I did too. I took I don't know AP why. in high school. Same. It was fun. I liked doing the AP test where you have to like talk to the recorder. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you have to do that? <laughs> yes. But the worst was was having to listen to the tapes and transcribe yeah. them. And it always felt like it was going 30 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. Uh, I don't know why I was in an AP uh, Spanish class or honors or whatever the heck it was. I went out with the uh, Spanish teacher's daughter, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So that's she, why. By default, she liked me. So maybe that's why I got good grades in that class. <laughs> oh.
So why don't we talk about the uh, the White House? Because that's, I mean, that's t- still topical, right? The White House website, um, which only one of us is actually taken <laughs> taken a look at. Any any uh, any interesting tidbits you could share with us, Phil? Sure. Uh, yeah. So of course everybody's heard that the whitehouse.gov website is now been redone since the last administration um and apparently it's just a huge fee i didn't really get into the specifics of who did it and how it was done but i did kind of just poke at the technology and right click a lot of things and view source um uh and yeah i think you know the first thing that i saw before i even knew who was working on it was um you know this you know it's jquery and bootstrap and it's it's some very solid it's some solid technologies that you know we've been using for you know almost a decade now um and uh it's not you you would maybe think that we you know more react more you know fancy fancy stuff but yeah this is just tried and true solid wordpress theme here um um, and of course, they're using Gutenberg on top of it, so we do get some new fancy stuff. But um, when you know, I right click on some of these stuff and just kind of view source and just try to interpolate what I, how I would maybe have built this. Um, yeah, you, all you see are standards, the best practice standards you would want to see in any WordPress theme. So I was very impressed. Um, it looks like it's even gotten better since I first started poking at it a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, I'm really just impressed. I mean, amazing dark mode, or that they're calling high contrast, which is very reminiscent of the 2021 theme, which now has like a permanent little, like when you're on mobile, you can like see a swap between themes, um, you know, text enlargement. So no, this is a huge improvement over the previous and uh, the the time frame in many they, in, in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and the time frame that they had to do it from what what little bit I was able to like read from the. Um, Twitter feed was uh, uh sounds astonishing. So my hats. Do you know what that time frame off. was? It was like something like like less than three months uh, between basically November and now. <laughs> so essentially, <laughs> and apparently, like you know, again, I I don't I don't have notes for this or anything, but it, it's usually unheard of apparently to like rebuild the website from scratch. Oh really? Um, yeah. Normally they like uh the I guess the the Bush team built the website for Obama and Obama's team helped, you know, transition to Trump. But this time, like there really wasn't apparently that handoff was not as uh, smooth of a transition Go as uh, apparently mm. previous uh, administrations had been. So, <laughs> yeah. And apparently like the previous website was left in kind of disarray. So like, you know, huge also swaths shocking. of it missing so i again i am not a expert on this i just kind of skimmed through the twitter as i was right clicking things but um yeah i'm very impressed just uh in general i've not spent this much time on a white house on the whitehouse.gov website ever in my entire life so like yeah congratulations you you know you got a new audience members (laughs) nice Um, but yeah there's some good stuff in here i'm just very impressed with it and um i implore everybody to view source on this thing and kind of extrapolate what you can yeah it makes me wonder like are they using advanced custom fields uh blocks because <laughs> I, I mean, don't know that's a good question y- you can tell that like i'm just looking at the home page here and sure. the the main sections on the home page some of them have the telltale you know gutenberg-esque um like classes like is style sidebar right 
yeah. and those sorts of things. So you can so you can kind of tell that those things are custom Gutenberg blocks, but but they're but you can tell that they're custom because they don't have the sort of standard WP block, et cetera, et cetera, class names. So it makes me it makes me think that they might be potentially using advanced custom fields um, blocks on the back end. Well, hey, I'll I'll tell you, I'll keep looking into it and see what I can find, and maybe I'll have an update for you in the next podcast because nice. I I feel like I'll be spending a lot more time on here because. Yeah, I mean, everything from their giant mega menu and how they're just handling how much content's on here. Very impressive. I think um, one one just aspect of um, sort of kind of Twitter drama around the White House uh, site, not not um, not involving the fact that it's WordPress or anything, but I kept seeing, you know, like Biden administration takes down such and such, you know, uh, page from the White House website and and those sorts of things. When in reality, they they just re- they replaced the site with a new one. So therefore, oh, sure. you know, may, maybe you know due due to the crunch time frame potentially and and, and other things um, or not having a certain need to keep some some particular things on the site, but maybe um, maybe they missed a couple of redirects. Who knows? But uh, yeah. I remember seeing that same Twitter thread at some point, and yeah, I think some people suggested, you know, that piece of information might not need to ever exist on the White House again, but it should redirect to, like, a Wikipedia page and why that page was, like, removed. But that seems like quite a lot of work to get done, yeah. and I don't, even, I don't even know how you start having that conversation of, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I personally think everything government should be version-controlled to some degree, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even, I wouldn't know where to begin that conversation. Yeah. Um, I think Megan, you had, you said had some of those receipts about who worked on that site. I don't know if you want to drop some names here. Yeah. So it was, um, worked on by the 10 up team. Mm, um, okay. and Helen, who is Sandy is one of the ones that worked on it. Uh, Jeff Paul, Aaron Jorben and Tung Ju, and then obviously Andrew Nason, who is who I'm reading the uh, thread from. Come on, our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Any other Twitter stuff we wanted to uh, touch on? Yeah, I mean, the only other like big things that had been going on were like people freaking out about automatics. Oh, automatic and WordPress.com offering website development uh i haven't been keeping up with this so fill me in i have been mildly keeping up with it i mean i don't like go on twitter looking to get mad sometimes <laughs> sometimes i do but most times i go on twitter for cute stuff and people's accomplishments mm. so uh Positive. yeah basically they're offering uh wordpress.com is offering website development so it's the wordpress.com brand that's doing that um which is of course owned by automatic uh automatic also has like their own uh enterprise level uh, wordpress vip product which is its own thing not hosted on the wordpress.com platform um but yeah i will like paraphrase paraphrase the tweet maybe yeah <laughs> But it's basically after 
all this volunteer effort. Now Automatic is going to monetize it. And it was um, a bit of an amusing tweet for me because, it, like, they're already they're already monetizing. Yeah, have that's been. what WordPress.com is. It's and, like, and they're specifically talking about Gutenberg in this tweet. And it's like, well, aren't we all going to monetize it? Like, I, I know we're going to monetize. Everyone's monetizing Gutenberg, you know, with their services that they're providing. So that was, um, I guess, my take on it. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take because I, I haven't seen this particular tweet about, you know, hey, we we put all this volunteer effort in it. I think that's one interesting side of the conversation because all I saw was a lot of freelancers freaking out that, you know, $5,000 websites, how can I compete with that? Your WordPress, you know, your, your WordPress to lots of people. And I just, I don't know, I, I, you know, having been in this industry for 12 years now and seeing how busy it is now and how busy I was during the, you know, we're still in the pandemic, but the pandemic and of last year, I was like, no, we are, you know, a hot commodity still. Like there's no, this is only good. This just validates our industry even more in my opinion. So right. it's interesting that people had such a negative take on this. Yeah. Also interesting. Just, in, it's just super against the sort of spirit of open source, isn't it? When you're using a ostensibly free platform or, CMS, whatever you want to call it, to to build um, the things you are building and and earning money from, um, and uh, then turn around and say that nobody else is allowed to earn money from that. <laughs> right, and another piece of it is um, of the automatic team; they dedicate chunks of their work week to giving back. So a lot of the volunteer work that is being referred to is like volunteer work by automaticians anyways um could you imagine like spending a bunch of volunteer hours on something in your free time and at your work and then being told like you can't you can't use that at your work that would be ridiculous on the receiving end so yeah and i think i think because it's wordpress.com it's a different client base anyways than these like the mom and pop shops that are getting worried like because it's going to be the people that are already on WordPress.com, they just want to upgrade their site, is what I'm guessing. Mm, interesting take. So you're you're thinking these are people people who are on WordPress.com and will go to. So my theory is that the WordPress.com, uh, like paid platform or subscription, whatever it is, um, is the client base is likely going to be the people who are already on wordpress.com who just want to like upgrade their site or like make edits that they couldn't before make. I mean, we see that a lot, even, even in the custom theme development um, um, sphere is, you know, we'll make something very specific for the client, but you know, down the road, they want to make a certain change that just wasn't accounted for. And I'd assume that happened a heck of a lot more with pre-built themes or or themes you can buy from wherever um, well sure i mean dot com is like not super locked down but definitely locked down like i think a, a use case that comes to mind that happens to me often is someone will approach me and be like hey i need to add an ad to my site and you know by default wordpress.com doesn't really have a lot of those features because they already run their own ads <laughs> so um and stuff like that so all of a sudden they're now in the situation where it's like okay well you need to start doing something more with your website and uh it's unfortunately not just a, a click of a button to go from wordpress.com to .org like it 
you know, it, it, as much as you can, of course, export your content. But again, you're, you're already asking, like, now you need to approach an expert who knows what an XML file is and knows how to, like, export it and import it correctly. And you're not getting your same theme. So now all of a sudden, their responsibility for the website goes from this self, you know, this hosted thing that they don't have to worry about to this, like, now we have to worry about hosting and owning a domain and DNS and plugin updates and all this crazy stuff that they just had no idea that they what they were getting into when they originally started their .com website. But um, yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about it that way. Um, I kind of looked at it as kind of like a VIP mini personally, but um, yeah, interesting. Um, I'm thinking the people that are on WordPress.com don't even know VIP exists, to be honest, because it's enterprise. It's like so much. It's like way out of the water. So it is. And both of you, both of you have experience with VIP, right? Or just Megan? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've used it on one project for a very large client at a different agency, and it was a great experience, but different, very different from what I had experienced before. And I hear, and I, I don't quote me on this, but I hear like they're the, this new, and maybe even the VIP did this as well. Um, you know, they are contracted, you know, Automatic doesn't have like a uh, an office building with a whole bunch of developers sitting in it like they do for their own products but like they, it sounds like they're you know putting that work into other agencies hands that they've you know partnered with and um you know you could as an agency you know work towards getting that partnership through certain avenues so um yeah i don't know it's a i worked with an agency partner interesting way yeah before. yeah yeah we we were stripped for resources and um, we were moving the the massive multi-site that we had. We were moving it because we just didn't want to have to deal with the hosting for it and scaling it because um, we were anticipating like selling piece parts for it, like selling little upgrades and stuff. So we wanted to have it somewhere where like it was out of our, out of our hands and we didn't have to worry about the, like scalability of anything and the server. And so we were moving it to VIP, but um, we evaluated like a couple different agencies to go with, to assist with, um, they have like some compatibility requirements. So that was the piece um, that we kind of offloaded to another agency because we didn't want to like full stop on like all of our projects and, you know, have everything dead in the water while we, like the three of us scrambled to work on it. So yeah, it was a interesting like setup. Um, so I like did a, I don't know, I did like a consultation call with, with VIP and then they had like a couple that they recommended within our price point. We did a couple, like, I guess you could say they were just like little phone calls with them kind of interview style where, where I was like sharing screen and showing them what we needed and everything. But yeah, it was, um, it was a cool experience. Heck, I don't know. Maybe, you know, uh, there are other agency partner, you know, referral programs. Maybe the uh, one for this new setup is something that could fit in the Blackbird model. Who knows? We could be getting that work. Or, or, or that, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Call us. It <laughs> <laughs> sounded so desperate. <laughs> Uh. I have um, 
I have one sort of resource thing, but it's not particularly WordPress specific. But it does it does um, kind of tie into some of the changes that we're going through uh, of how we're handling uh, WordPress development. So um, another like, like little tidbit of, of of the history and how we generally make sites. Um, we used to keep the entire WordPress site uh, at the at the root of the site in a Git repository. Um, it included all of the core files, included all of the third party plugins. Sometimes, uh, if we were smart, we um, ignored the uploads folder. But for the most part, um, <laughs> everything else is in this repository. Um, we're moving away from that now for for a lot of different reasons. Um, but uh, so. I found myself in need of pulling out just the theme out of that repository. And of course I could just, you know, copy and paste the, just the theme folder, set up a new repository, start from scratch, um, just with the files as they were. Um, but I don't know. Um, I, I wanted to be able to keep, uh, some of that Git history. Well, all of the Git history actually related to those, um, theme files. So, uh, I was about to use, there's a built-in feature of the Git um, command line uh, program called uh, filter branch, filter dash branch. And as soon as I uh, ran that, it actually gives you a message and it says, you can use this, but <laughs> um, we actually recommend that you use this other tool, uh, which is not built into the command line um, tool. Yeah, it's a third-party sort of thing, but it's like officially endorsed right there. Um, you, you know, um, when you try to run the command, and it's called Git Filter Repo. Um, so that is just a script to handle it. I guess it's, I guess it does it better. I don't know. I think they probably would have done the same thing for me, just pulling this um, theme folder out into its own repository and keeping all of the. Um, Git history just related to those files, but um, apparently this does it a heck of a lot quicker, uh, less resource intensive, uh, and maybe it has a lot more other features that we haven't really delved into or might not really need as much. But this going forward, I think, is going to help us um, kind of take some of our legacy sites and move away from that, you know, giant um, repository into more focused ones um, that are just focused on a theme or, or a plugin or two. So. That's that's my my thought of the uh, of the the month here. Interesting tool that I found. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I I'm facing the same issues spinning up my next client project right now. So yeah, I look forward to trying that out. Um, taking a moment to ex- extract yeah. my theme and plugin. I started trying sim linking and a whole bunch of other stuff, and eventually I just kind of was like, I'm just gonna go back to the old way, and I'll figure it out from there. So, and, and maybe, maybe more context is needed here because, um, you know, coming back to, you know, legacy projects with, with the sort of Git repository, you know, with the whole site in it, um, we, we were doing it that way because we could also have Git on the host and we could, you know, connect to the host via SSH and do a Git pool to like, you know, to, to essentially deploy our, our site, right. Um, just, just a real down and dirty, uh, get deploy, but you know, it works. Um, 
when you're going one way. However, <laughs> uh, in order to go back to a project and start working on it again, it kind of requires you to also go back to the live site, commit all of the changes that have happened since, you know, who knows how long it's been sitting there, changes to core files, changes to plugins, um, get all those synchronized. And there's also a danger of um, having merge conflicts on that live uh, live site. And we had a whole convoluted like branching system and it honestly, it's a mess. So we're hoping that uh, um, uh, with, with, with some, with some help from, from some of the new blood coming into Blackbird uh, with, with some better Git uh, um, workflows that, that we're going to land on something a little bit better, more robust. <laughs> Yeah, hey, hey, what's everybody listening to these days? What what kind of music y'all listen to while you code? Smooth. How, smooth? Smooth. <laughs> smooth, like jazz. All right, well, I guess I'll go first since I'm first in this list here. Uh, Great, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the uh, the lead-in music for the podcast, um, that, uh, that artist, uh, you can find them all over the web uh, as Fragnum Opus. Uh, AKA Nick Lowers. Um, so if you, if you do a search for Fragnum Opus, uh, he's got a Bandcamp site. Um, he's on, I don't know. What are all the rest of the things? Spotify, etc. You'll, you'll find he have a, a SoundCloud. Oh yeah. SoundCloud too. Is that what totally the, a tick, a TikTok and a SoundCloud TikTok as well. Definitely, definitely is on <laughs> TikTok. So if you're into that cool. sort of thing, Look him up. Yeah, he made our lead music, our intro music, right? That's right. Uh, yeah. Mostly, it's that sort of lo-fi hip-hop, lo-fi, I don't know, music to re- relax and code to, etc. <laughs> so it's kind, of, it's kind of perfect for this. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to kind of just call back to one of my favorite albums of last year, and that was Nectar by Joji. And um, yeah, I think it's just one of those great albums you can have at a low volume and have always just on while you're working. But um yeah, it's all the album's also about uh about an hour long. It's like fifty some minutes long. So I know when I get through the entire album, I know I've like worked for about an hour and that's like, okay, maybe get up and stretch your legs or something. So um yeah, it's a really solid album by one of my favorite artists. Megan, you've been listening to anything good? Yes. So I just um I was following this person on Instagram because they just like kill it at guitar riffs. Uh, her name is Maru Martinez. And on a whim, I was like, she's probably got a Spotify. So I looked and she does. And I've been listening to this album, v- Vela, Vela. Um, but yeah, her music is really good. I wasn't like hundred percent sure if she had like her own music. Cause she just mostly does like covers or just like little riffs on instagram but highly recommend it's also good like background music relaxing i like it this is probably going to be the only episode where i actually have something to offer in this segment because i'll be honest i generally don't put on music or I, i don't really think to put on music it's not that i don't um it's not that i don't like to but um if i do one of the requirements is that there are no lyrics and no talking whatsoever. Um, Cause that distracts like the part of my brain that needs to 
like form words for for you know programming reasons <laughs> i guess i don't know yeah i have to remind myself in the morning to like turn music on but i notice i do get more done if i'm like listening to music so mm-hmm. i try to like remind myself to do it jack generally puts on a uh you know a, a, a lo-fi channel on on youtube or whatever um so she puts it on for me every once in a while you get one of those songs that has like a you know some some someone talking or or some like lyric that's been heavily modified or whatever and it just totally immediately distracts me from whatever i'm doing so <laughs> yeah that's i'm like the puller out i have to have no i live i've lived alone for about four years now so like my house is either dead quiet or has music blaring because i just feel like i'm losing my mind being you know a, 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 a like you just hear pitter patters on my dog's feet sometimes. I'm like, I have to cover all this. Like this needs to music everywhere. That's so funny. every room has lo-fi downstairs. Currently I have like, yeah, this computer is running something at a low volume and I just need something humming. So my brain it doesn't get caught in the void <laughs> for too long. See, I'm kind of the opposite. Like I, I just have to like remind myself to put music on. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, I, I- uh, music in different languages helps with the like because I also mm. can't do lyrics while I'm writing or coding or doing anything where you have to like think of letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this um, French artist called Spilltab that I just recently discovered too. It's good stuff. Noted. Megan, would you mind giving us like since we haven't we haven't watched the um uh the interview yet, can you give us the gist of what you talked about? Um so I had Michelle Frechette on. So she's the um she works at GiveWP and she's the head of customer success. I had her keynote at WordCamp Kent two or three years ago. Uh, I think it was three years ago. Um because she is just like one of those really exuberant people that you meet and it's just kind of like infectious to be around her when you go to events and stuff. Um, but yeah, t- like her work at GiveWP, she loves so much that a bunch of her her coworkers and her went and got GiveWP tattoos, the logo, like tattooed on their body Dang. permanently forever. Respect. Uh, you can tell she just like loves what she does because <laughs> of that dedication. Mm-hmm. They just went like all in. <laughs> And they did it during, um, they got them done during WordCamp US that year. Uh, so that was just like, they were just all together and on a whim. Just, they're like, I lo- we love our company so much. Let's go get tattoos. Dang. Sorry, Blackbird. I'm not, I'm not putting yeah, you on no. body. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so the other things that she has done recently, she... um she leads the WordPress group in Rochester, New York, and also has been, I think, a lead organizer, but she's been in the organizing team for Rochester for like quite a while. And she was um, one of the contributors in the 5.6 release. And then the other like main thing that we talked about was Big Orange Heart, which I didn't know a lot about. I knew about a similar organization called the Open Sourcing Mental Illness which is more prominent in the PHP community and less so in WordPress. But I had them speak a couple years ago, too. 
But Big Orange Heart is essentially, it started as a company called WP End Up, and it was um, like mental health resources for people in the WordPress space. But they just expanded it to be mental health resources for remote workers. Um, so that was what they were raising money for when they did WordFest. So they raised $40,000 for Big Orange Heart, which is a nonprofit like promoting mental wellness. So that's why a lot of the WordFest topics were like centered around like well-being and stuff. And I think they even had like, I think they had like a yoga session and like some, some other like wellness oriented things. So we talked about WordFest and like really what Big Orange Heart is. Um, and then she also has this cool project uh, that she started with Ali Nimmons called Underrepresented in Tech, which um, it's like you, um, if you're a minority, you can apply and they don't like share like how you define yourself as a minority, whether you're like LGBTQ or otherwise, like they don't share that with the potential employers, but it's just mm-hmm. like a listing of a bunch of people that are either available for being on podcasts, writing a blog post, uh, development work. There's like some um, full-time, part-time, freelance. Like there's a bunch of good categories they can select that they're interested in, which is cool because you don't usually see like speaking at a conference and speaking at a podcast and these types of tools. So I thought it was neat. Um, I did a couple searches like earlier this week. Um and found some some people I'm adding to my list. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they and it's like a free to use tool. They also got some hate for that because naturally, like every time you try to help someone, you're gonna get hate. Mm-hmm. No good deed. So, and we probably like shit talked Twitter for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for today's show. Megan's interview with Michelle Frechette will be coming very soon, so stay tuned. Check the episode description for links to things we mentioned in the show. And don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and fan mail to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as intheloop underscore WP. If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom built, or you want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to In The Loop. See you next time.